Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I am Lou Gerlach, and this is Confession 69, Designing for the Gifted Learner. Now that we've had a chance to talk about designing the learning environment for the language learner, let's talk about the gifted learner. Now, personally, I don't like this designation because I believe all children are gifted in their own unique way. And I've the reason I love the PYP so much is it helps all of these learners shine in their own unique way. I know everyone who is listening totally agrees with my summation. And we can picture specific learners in our class who are eager to learn every day. And they're always present um, at school. They're voracious to learn. You know, they hunger to acquire knowledge and are naturally curious about the world. Doesn't this sound like every student in your classroom? I hope so. The difference is that gifted learners are always striving to go above and beyond. You know, what is required. They're always um, asking questions. They're driving their own inquiries. And once again, they're trying to put all the pieces together with or without your help. That to me is like the hallmark. And some children are gifted in math and then struggle in other areas. You know, some are um, in language, some in the sciences, some in the arts. So we can't put them all into one little peg. Um, and I think if we looked at our students as a, bo- as a body, we'd find all of them are gifted in one unique way. And there are some that are gifted all around. And so how are we helping those kiddos um, with growing and learning and helping design the learning space to help them. And once again, I struggle with this. I won't lie because they do exist, but I don't like promoting one group above the others. So every strategy I'm giving you can be useful. Just like every strategy I position for the language learner could be useful to an average student. So let's think about, um, looking at it that way, right? And how can we utilize these with every student, but then also it helps along the way to feed the need of those that have um, some sort of extra gift in learning. Does that sound fair? Okay, so roles. Roles have often been used to help learners to develop in a variety of ways while working within collaborative groups, you know, accomplishing tasks and assessing learning. By providing roles to your gifted learners, you're providing specific targets that feed their need to excel and become better. So let's take a deeper look of what this might look like in your classroom. So jobs. I know many of us use jobs to help give responsibility and a shared unity as a community. One thing that I did um, toward, I would say, probably halfway mark of my teaching career is I merged jobs with classroom economy. And it really helped to build learner awareness of their role within a community and the positive and negative consequences of not fulfilling one's roles. And I think that's equal, I think that's more important than having the kid do the job itself. So this is one thing that I I did, and I thought it was brilliant when I lived in Dubai. So I labeled each table group based on various regions of the city, and their rent was um, 
priced point uh, relative to the point of instruction, so to the thick of it all. So they had a choice in the beginning of where they wanted to sit, and they were all given um, jobs that were, you know, a compensation amount that would be relative to today's salaries. They were required by the end of the month to pay rent for their spot, and it was clearly indicated um, in the middle of the collaborative groups. And each month they could choose, hey, I don't want to live in the most exclusive spot. I want to move if there was a spot available. So ideally, if a child um, did their job, they'd have enough rent money and have enough to buy from the store. And I was always offering bonuses and things like that because, you know, you want to set up the structure so all children are successful. But what about those kids who don't perform a job? Well, they were given two warnings and then they were terminated and they were prorated salary based off of how long they had worked. And then another child could take on two jobs if they wanted and finish that out. And they got the other part of the allocation if they did it successfully. At the end of the month, you had to pay your rent. And if you couldn't pay your rent, then you were evicted and you were sent to a silo desk around the room. And what ended up happening is if a few children were terminated, then guess what? They went then into a group of their own and they had certain amount of rent that was lower so that they could reset and come back. This was really important because it showed them the reality of life. You don't pay your bills, you're gonna be evicted. But it also taught them you have a responsibility to our ecosystem here within the classroom. And let's, you know, make sure we respect that. You got evicted once. Generally, I never saw a child get evicted twice. All right. And why is that important for the gifted learner? So they understand that they're no better than anyone else. Oftentimes, especially children gifted in math and whatnot, they kind of get a little, because they're elevated oftentimes, which is sad to say, they think they're above it. And so this brings them, it kind of humbles them back to it. Not saying all gifted learners are that way. So now let's look at how do we feed their need um, to help. And at times you may have a gifted student who's very book smart, but socially awkward. And they relate well with individual peers or a small group, but they have anxiety relating to a large group. This doesn't always apply, right, to a gifted learner. So, but how do we help this natural process of development? And, you know, so we can help offset some of this fear and anxiety. One thing I noticed especially helped um, these eager beavers is that they just love to help. All kids love to help. Even your naughtiest ones, right? Who oftentimes are the most gifted. And I would open invitation to anyone and have rotation times where they could come into the classroom, you know, uh, after school, once a week, maybe every couple weeks during a resource or a lunchtime, uh, because we need a break too, to come and help. And this allowed the learners to just breathe, right? And come into the classroom and be helpful. I'd have them put up and take down bulletin boards, organize my classroom library, tidy the classroom. So, you know, 
all the materials are in the right spot and so manipulatives aren't mixed up and cutting out laminating and helping preparing materials for upcoming lessons. And this really helped the learners to feel that they had a purpose and could help the teacher in a special way. And this really helped me as a child because I was one of those shy kids helping the teacher. So I know how important those unique opportunities to help really matter and how you feel like I matter in this world. And so another way in regards to roles is leadership. Our learners, some of them are born leaders and others, it takes a minute. Even if they have strong cognitive abilities or, um, can work with their hands. And, you know, I love the fact that leadership comes about in students, but some of them don't love to organize and sustain, you know, organize a group. They don't know how to do these things. Um, And some of them do. And so, you know, a big part of becoming a leader is not being in charge of the group. And I, set that up in my classroom so that they didn't have to be front and center, but still be a leader. And so I reiterated that a true leader listens to everyone's ideas and helps the group to come to a consensus. So everyone feels like they have a voice in that process. A true leader takes ownership of their mistakes and rely upon the group to help them solve the problem that it's not shameful for us to get help in solving our problems. A true leader understands the needs of each group member and leverages their strengths, meaning they know the strengths of their groups and they're constantly saying, hey, we need this to solve this problem. You're really good at this. Can you help us with that? Maybe that'll help us to solve our problem. That's what I mean by leveraging their strength. And a true leader does not take credit for the work because it's a collaborative effort. And I think that that's really important um, for a child who is trying to become a leader within the classroom experience and within the school to understand. So here's another way that we can help learners that are a little bit gifted in a certain way is through visuals. All learners need visuals to guide their understanding of the big ideas. This is why we use anchor charts and unit walls and word walls and wonder walls and etc. At the same time, all of the space can be quite visually overwhelming for a gifted learner unless there is a specific purpose for each space. So how do we create that connection for our learners? How are they aware of what is the connection between these spaces? So this is my this is my personal point of view is don't overstimulate. Less is more with putting up visuals. That's my philosophy for many years of being a teacher. You know, I was happy to ditch the pre-printed bulletin board sets. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of teachers get away from those. But then they've replaced them with handmade anchor charts that they found on Pinterest or Teacher Pay Teachers. And as we put up these anchor charts and other work, you know, is it authentic? Does it relate to what the students know and feel? Is it utilizing the language that they um, use? Is it also related to the current unit of inquiry? Now, I'm speaking of my experience. I've walked into many teachers 
classrooms, as a teacher, as a coordinator, and they had sometimes close to 30 anchor charts on the wall that were used three months prior and left up for student referral. And I'm going to give you a personal feedback because I am type A. Oof. That gave me the hives because I'm walking in thinking, where do I put my focus? I'm overwhelmed. Too much stimuli. And so, you know, things that I advise is what you don't realize is that that many anchor charts can be overstimulating, especially to a gifted learner. And it takes a lot of energy. And and think about your language learner, Uh, you know, my goodness. And it takes a lot of energy and thinking. So remember, less is more. We're zooming in. And I realize we're cycling back. But if it's already been mastered, why is it still up? That's my that's my question. So have a purpose. When putting up all these visuals, uh, consider the purpose. This helps all learners. But your gift and learners are driven by a purpose. Their minds are continuously trying to unravel mysteries and puzzles. They need to know why your visuals are on the wall and how they connect to each other. And our boards are not meant to be a showcase, but an interactive tool to guide the unit of inquiry. So think about that. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is choices or options for your learners. All learners deserve to have some options to choose from that will support their development and areas of interest. You'll see in certain areas that some learners quickly finish their tasks regularly and have them take a book out every day is not the answer. I see this all the time where you're given an assignment, you know, a third of the class is done early and they're told, take out a book. So that is valuable time where learners could be challenged and they're, you know, with their, so that their brains can tinker. And we want to make sure that they're not rushing to that either. Right. So it's a delicate balance, but that, you know, that they're going as they're going through this process, that they're tinkering with ideas. So they're playing, right? That's what play means is to tinker with ideas and materials. They're going through the design thinking process. Um, They're drawing diagrams, creating models, and so much more. So this can be overwhelming to us if we've not considered these processes. So leave it up to them to decide. Problem solved. And as a team, they'll decide which tools to use to solve their problem. And it'll probably look better than you or I could have designed. And they have one more major challenge um, and advantage than over us. They're digital natives. And so let them leverage the tools that they know how to use without us getting in the way. All right. Thinking about options at stations. Many teachers use small group time as part of their literacy and math blocks so that they can rotate students and provide intervention and extend learning. Why not leverage this time to differentiate learning tasks that tap into learner strengths? That sounds easy, but how are we planning for the gifted learner in mind? One thing that I did was differentiate the focus of each station to reflect different content areas, but they were united in that transdisciplinary work goal. So at each station, I provided some choices that were more directed and open-ended, right? 
So that differentiates based on the needs of your learners. Some are going to need very directed, others more open-ended. This allows agency for all and pushes the gifted learner to apply their understanding in a deeper, more meaningful way. And then at, after they did the stations for that week, then we would come back on Friday and say, okay, here's how all those different activities that you worked on in the station time connect together. Whoa, that's powerful stuff. And that's what your gifted learner needs. Genius hour is another way of providing choice or options. One of my favorite ways to get learners engaged into the learning process is genius hour. I know you've heard about it. You know, I absolutely love it. In my guides, in Inquire Thinking Strategies, I call it my time. But basically, I'd allow students to study whatever they were interested in for a 45-minute session. It was that dead zone time on a Friday afternoon from 2 to 2.45, where we are frosted little bananas, where we don't have anything left to share. And I would allow them to explore Genius Hour. They were giving a scaffold, which asked, they had to ask, a create, a create ask and I should say, pose a really great conceptual question. Question, well, it could be conceptual or debatable. Question that's worthy of research. Then they had to decide, okay, what materials am I going to use? What process am I going to use? Step by step, what are my works cited? How am I going to evaluate my process? How am I going to create some sort of way to present this to the community and also reflect on the journey? All the learners benefited from this project, so I assigned it to all. And the gifted learners excelled in this type of open-ended project because their multifaceted brain was free to create with no restrictions. And this is where the magic happens. So your brain is bursting with new ideas now. So take a peek at your learning environment and think about how your gifted learners are being supported every day and what you can implement to make learning a little bit more magical for them for tomorrow.